Father, again, I'm just going to open again in prayer that you would help us to concentrate this morning and not to be distracted, not by a single thing, Father, for each of us, not one single thing to distract us, even for a second away from receiving and from beholding you through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start with Colossians, the second chapter. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 2, and then, and then we're going to get into Colossians 3, and then in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. When Paul wrote, when he was writing Colossians, and we know that uh, especially, especially the truth of Ephesians and Colossians, they're called the prison epistles. That's because he was a prisoner. Was he a prisoner of Rome? Or truly was he a prisoner of Christ? Are we a prisoner of what's going on in our country today? Are we a prisoner of our own flesh? Or are we truly captured and conquered by Christ in Romans 8, 37? And are we a prisoner, as it says in Ephesians 3, verse 1, and as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 1, we are prisoners of the Lord. We're held captive by him. We're no longer captivated and captured by our own will, which really is a will that functions under the enemy in First Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26. This is what he said. Paul, we see Paul here is a prisoner in Rome. He's in chains. In a sense, he's in a place where he can't function normally in normal freedom. But God had him there for, his, for, for, God, for Christ's purpose, for, for Paul personally, and for each of us as his church. So he's got him there, captured and held in chains. Why? Because he, he is going to unfold to him and to us, okay? And, and God is revealing the inner life of Paul. And how, even as a prisoner, what was he doing at this time? What was the activity of Paul's life as a prisoner in the Lord? And this is how we'll function when we're a prisoner of the Lord. How was he functioning? Right? What was it going on? He was pleading for the blessing of all those that were in Christ. That's what he's doing. He wasn't occupied with a circumstance, a situation. No. What he was going through and what they, he might have thought that he, that he could go through anything apart from Christ having Christ as his life, you know, the dot and the circle. But how he was led of the Lord to expose all the beginnings of a leaven, and leaven in the, in the, all through the Bible, all through the Bible, all the way through from Exodus and Leviticus, all the way up through the epistles, leaven is a type of sin. And sin, of course, is a will that has not been captured by Christ. But he was led to teach the beginning of 11, which had permeated the church everywhere. And if it was in that day, what is it now? What would it be now? And at the same time, what was he doing? He was setting forth through the preaching and teaching of the word that God gave him for us as we read it right here, and what he was doing was teaching and showing the blessed and only way by which every single believer in Christ could be preserved from that leaven. 
That's what he was teaching. That's through the Holy Spirit. And what is it? It's a very encouraging place. Now, many times you've heard in the past through the word that God's given all of us, that image has to do with a proper place. A proper place has to do with a proper identity. A proper identity is functioning in the reality of the fact that Christ is our life in Colossians 3, verse 4. That he is our head in Colossians 1.18 and Colossians 2.19. And when we function apart from him, we function in a heart, a mind that is deceitful and desperately wicked in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. A head that's sick, complete, separated from Christ in terms of obedience. In Isaiah 1.5 and 6, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is completely faint. And so what he was teaching that was how to be preserved from that by the very encouraging place of the reality that we are in Christ. And what he's doing is he's inviting us. Place yourself right where I am right now. I'm captured by the Lord. He's held me in chains. What are they? Chains of love. Chains of protection. Chains of security and significance and value and worth in Christ. And that was the place that he was saying. And he, he desires for us, and we see that, and again in Philippians chapter 3, and verse 13, 14, and 15. How that we would be apprehended in our experience, how Christ has truly apprehended us in our position in Christ. Now when we look at that, what do we see? we see that there was a deep conflict. There was a deep conflict through he himself and which we are passing through. And what is that conflict? The conflict is brought out in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and you can see that starting in verses 10 right through 18. We are in a conflict. We're in a conflict. And we need the necessary change and protection of Christ in a proper place in an image. Right? We need that to cause us to continue to go through this conflict because we're on our way to face-to-face meeting with Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 and verse 12. So he's passing through. And as we pass through in the midst of that conflict, we're to be kept safe and preserved from that great leaven. That great leaven. And what was that great leaven? It was a compound of religiousness, flesh, trying to be religious even as a believer, or a whole mentality, a whole thinking process under the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2.2. And operating there that we might be preserved from that. And so just think of how blessed it is to know that when we hold the head, and what does it mean to hold the head? What it means to hold the head is to behold him. And that doesn't mean we give him first place. Remember how many times we've, God's taught all of us that we don't give him first place. He doesn't desire first place. Desiring first place has nothing to do with us. That's the place that he has as God. <laughs> he desires every single place. And every single place that he inhabits experientially, which is the equal of our position, it keeps out the leaven. The will, desiring to sin and function apart from Christ. 
And it's very blessed to know that we can hold him that way. Hold the head. Christ holding him in everything and in all. And what does it do? It clears and it preserves each individual from all this leaven. That's what he was teaching in the prison epistles. Just a little snapshot. But here I'm going to read Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. That's what leaders do. We all have a conflict, but then God has given us leaders and they have a conflict, not just for themselves, but for those that God has given leaders as a guide to those, listen, that are under Christ. <laughs> as that leader is under Christ himself. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. You'll see that reality of what I'm saying. You follow a leader as he follows Christ, period. Now, for I would that you know and that you knew what great con conflict I have for you and for them that are at Laodicea. He had a conflict for those at Laodicea. If you want to know why he was having that conflict even then, read Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 to 22. Because that is where we are in terms of even Christendom, Christians, but in Christ. But as a whole, what are they functioning as? They have no need. They have no need of Christ as Christians. They're Christians there. They don't have a need. They're not, they're not realizing their need. And the reason they, they don't realize their need is they're feeding on every other thing. And they're not been brought to a place of starvation. That's a very dangerous place for any of us. So he said, for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be what? Comforted. This is interesting, being knit together in love. How many worlds does our head have, Christ? One. Isn't that oneness? We all think the same thing. Love with the same love. Philippians 2, 3, esteeming others better than ourselves. That even includes our schedules and our daily planners. Yeah, it does. Not looking on our own things, but on the things of others in Philippians 2.4, because we have the whole thought of Christ in our mind in Philippians 2.5, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16, we have, not that we don't, we have the mind of Christ. We have it that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Do, was there ever a time that believers in Christ, did they, did they know their position? Do they know their identity, their image? Do they have a full assurance based upon understanding, based upon proper teaching? To the acknowledging of the mystery of God, of course, and that's Christ, not something mysterious, but just was held and reserved for a particular time and people, his church. The mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. You see how that works? Huh? God, Father, and Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How many? If there's going to be treasures, and there's going to be wisdom, and there's going to be knowledge, 
which speaks of God's nature's character and essence, then are those treasures hid in Christ? And is there anything that would be equal and could compete with it as another treasure outside of him? Not at all. Verse 4, now listen, here's what he's saying. And this is what I'm teaching, and this is going to go into relationships. And this I say, look at what it says, lest any man, did you see that? Any man, unsaved or saved. Say, any man that goes into relationships, folks, how we relate to the unsaved, how we relate to others, how husbands relate to their wives, how wives relate to their husbands. Listen to what it says. This I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. Satan will use any man he can at any time or place to distract and get believers away from their proper image. That starts with not hearing, receiving, and being in a place to hear and receive the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And for those that can and should, it's face to face. (laughs) He will use any man at any time. Beguile. I'm going to explain the word beguile to you. It's para which means beside, to be, be beside of, and logizomai. And this is what this word means. Para is a primary preposition. Look up preposition and you'll get a, a really good meaning of it in any dictionary. And it literally means near. Near. And with the genitive. Now, when it speaks in the original languages, when it says it's with the genitive, what's that mean? It's a source. It's a particular source. In other words, it's a source that's not of Christ. And it means from beside. (laughs) Those that are closest to you. Those that you come in contact with. Those that you're with the most. And it's with a dative. The dative in the original language is dative simply means, there's a dative and it simply means an advantage or a disadvantage. That's why we need to understand how we should function in the head of Christ versus the head of Adam. The head that's ruined and the Christ and, and, and the head that God is in Christ through Christ for all of us. Listen to what it means. It means in the vicinity of. There's some kind of an object that's in in the vicinity of you, and it's with the accusative. What's that? Uh, Accusative. What's all these words? Well, they're they're really simple. I'll explain to you. Accusative simply means it has to do with extension. Some form of an extension. Some kind of a connection but a connection in the sense that it extends and keeps going. And it means to the proximity of. It goes into local. Those that you're locally involved with and around. Any reason why we need the local assembly? Is there any importance? Boy, it's hugely important for all of us to the proximity of. And it means beyond... Beyond, listen, beyond or opposed to. That can, depending on which head we function under, who we submit to, okay, 
We can go beyond. In other words, when you function under proper headship, you can go beyond that that isn't. <laughs> but when you don't, and when you submit to a man or a woman in a relationship where they're not functioning in Christ, they'll take you beyond your proper image in Christ. Truly. That's right. And they will be opposed to it. In Christ, you're opposed to the flesh. In the flesh, you're opposed to Christ. And remember in Romans 8, verse 9, we all have the flesh in us. But we're not of it. We're not of it. Okay? And so that's the word para, that one little word. Isn't that interesting? Para. P-A-R-A. And then it's from what? We get the word logos. We know what logos is, right? You know, who is logos in the word of God? It's Christ, isn't it? Okay, but it's something, it's in, listen, it's in the middle voice here. Mm, What's that mean? Now, it's in the middle voice. You know what that means? That, that when when I submit to Christ, when I choose to with my will, I begin to participate in the grace and truth that he is. Keeps me safe and secure from the flesh of anybody. That's what it says. That's exactly what it's bringing out, middle voice. But, but. If I choose, if I choose with my will to not submit to Christ, but maybe to follow a fleshly person, and he could even be born again, by the way, or have a fleshly carnal relationship with him, or as we'll bring out today, and we're going to bring it out crystal clear, and I promise I'm going to bring it out tonight because we all need to hear this. God made it clear to me that we all need to, all of us need to hear this. And I'm going to bring it out in detail. That just when, and we'll bring it out, and, and I can't wait to get there in Colossians 3.18. It says, wives, submit unto your own husbands as it is fit unto the Lord. Now, I'm going to wait. Bite my tongue on this one. And love for everybody. So again, it's this middle voice, logizomize, the middle voice, from Logos, something said, it's a thought or a word from one head or the other. And we begin to take inventory and accumulate who we submit to, which head. I mean, in any way does a wife have to submit to the flesh of her husband at any time, at any place? Absolutely not. And she can do it the right way, and we'll bring that out, too. If we don't have time to bring it out this morning, we're certainly going to bring it out in clarity tonight. These things are very important, not only individually, for individual marriages and local assemblies, but for what's coming down the pipe here. It's huge. You know, because the church is made up of marriages, and that's why it's a target. See, it's true. It's why it's a target. So it means this. It means to take an inventory or to estimate or to reckon, whether by calculation or imputation. Well, geez, geez, the husband treat me, me this way, the wife? Oh, my God, that's, that's the estimation of who I am? That's, that's who I am? That's what he's showing me? That's what he's teaching me? Oh, my God. Really? Whew. Wow. That's how I'm to reckon myself? That's how I'm to know myself? You know, that's why in 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3, the head of every man is 
Christ. Then as it flows in proper order, the head of every man is the woman. For single folks, who's your head? Christ. Who's your head? Christ. That's right. You reach the age of accountability, you reach the age of adulthood, who's your head? It's Christ. That's true for all of us. That's what 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 is, is teaching. Again, I want to make this clear. Go back to the word para. That, that word, okay, is in the causal stem. <laughs> There's some kind of cause behind what wants to get near you and begin to speak words to you that are either of Christ or not. In this sense, in this case, they are not. They're not. Okay? Now, so what does paralogizomai mean? This is what it means. It means to deceive by false reasoning. No wonder it says, in the midst of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, and no wonder it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not what? Should we submit to the flesh in each other? Well, that can be a weapon against each other because in either area, we're against Christ. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And it says casting down. This is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting down imaginations. You know what that word imaginations means? Reasonings. Beguiled, false reasonings. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing, because that's where it came from, we're in a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. Prince and power, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, really the blood and flesh in the original, Ephesians 6, 12, against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this particular time period, this age, against spiritual wickedness in the heights. That's what it says. Boy. Again, so power logizomai means to be deceived by false reasoning, to misreckon, to miss things, that's why I say, folks, as much as you can, draw near and be taught the Word of God in a local assembly. Because if you don't, you, uh, you misreckon. You miss something as much as we can, right? And God will show each of us like only He can, right? Without condemnation, but plenty of conviction when that's a reality and when we're f functioning in false reasoning. That's for any of us. And by the way, I'm talking principles. I am not thinking of a single soul right now. I'm preaching principles. And if any of us are convicted, you know, we're loved by God. Remember what conviction is? Not necessarily that we're living in sin, but to keep us from both. He's loving us right now. Because we're in Christ and he's not against us. So that's what it means. It means to misreckon or to be deluded to delude, to reckon wrong, to reason falsely. Para, it literally means from a miss. You missed it. And legitimize to reason. You don't have proper reasoning. Why? Because you don't have proper headship. To deceive by false reasoning. Right? And 1 Timothy 6... Verse 20 says, these are oppositions of science, falsely so-called. What is science? I don't know. Isn't that interpret, interpreting something properly in its own creative order? 
Boy, I just got that one. Thank you, Lord. And it's called gnosis, knowing. Knowing is gnosis. And knowing, okay, it speaks of the act or the action. In other words, Christ acted, and everything he did apart from us, he placed us in a position. Now we can function in the action of that when my will is submitted to him. That's the middle voice, through obedience, through obedience. And that is, by implication, it literally speaks of knowledge. Now, now I'm going to go right into the most intimate relationships that there are on the earth. And what do you suppose that is? That's marriage. I'm just going to read Ephesians, and then Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and then I'm going to go right away into Colossians, the third chapter. Now, we've talked about the order, haven't we? And the order that's individual for each of us in, epistle, in the epistle of Ephesians. Listen, this is the height of our position in Christ. The book of Ephesians brings it out like nowhere else in all the scriptures and all the epistles. There are parts to it, yes. That's why Colossians really should be right after in place, and even in our Bible, should be right after Ephesians, because they go together. Now, we talked about the individuality of each believer in, in, in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. Then it went right into order, right? And you watch both orders where they begin. Look at Ephesians 3.1. For, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's a prisoner. He's held captive in a proper image. His will submitted individually. Now it goes into God's order in local assembly. Look what it says in Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you're called. Not only individually, but locally. Personally, face to face. <laughs> Interesting. With all lowliness and meekness, with, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, because there's only one body. But we can only gather in certain locales of, which, of God's choosing because we can't all gather in one place. There's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. That's hope that Christ is our guarantee in Colossians 1.27. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Listen, who is a what? Above all, should we think above in our position in Christ? <laughs> Above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Is that need met? Is there any excuse for any of us, truly, honestly, is there to live in disobedience? I don't know. That, that does away with it. That's the fourth chapter. Watch how it functions. That's local assembly. That's how it functions. Then we get into the fifth chapter. You can read that and follow it down. I don't have the time to get into this like I would like to. And at some point, maybe we'll just do a full teaching on the book of Ephesians. But look at it in relationships. In relationships. Okay, by the time you get up to, for instance, redeeming the time, does that have anything to do with my personal relationship? And does it have anything to do with my relationship with my wife and my husband and vice versa in the body of Christ? You know, if I function right in my relationship with my wife and my husband and my wife, I'll function right in the local assembly because I'm part of it. 
By the way, too, here's a big point. And this is key for all of us in our growth. Okay? This is Ephesians, the fifth chapter. But fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it, let it not be named once among you as that that's truly who you are as saints, those that are set apart from all that into Christ. Neither filthiness, watch what it says. Here's a big one. Nor foolish talking. At any time, should there be any foolish talk? What, what's foolish talking? I'm my own source, or so I think. And there's something about me I want everybody to be entertained with. <laughs> They're talking about some conviction. Nor jesting. Look these words up in the original. Which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Isn't that interesting? At any time. What, what time when we gather together are we not the body of Christ? What time when we gather together are we not his and not our own in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20? When are we not? Okay. So we're going to see then. That's Ephesians 5, 15. See then. Because you've got to awake. You have to be, God has to waken us up with the light of the scriptures. In 5.14, he has to wake us up because we know in Ephesians 5.13, whatsoever discovers areas where we're not functioning in Christ is what? It's light. And what does light do? It reveals areas and does away with, if we submit to it, areas of darkness. See? So, so you see then, walk circumspectly. You know that, that doesn't mean just circumspectly in a circle this way. It's a whole circle. <laughs> God is one big, huge, complete circle, and we're the dot in it. So when we say, like, dot, and you're the circle, not just this. One way. I mean, you're complete in Christ in Colossians 2.10. <clears throat> so when you see properly, you begin to redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. I don't know. These days that we're in right now, are so evil. Evil there is not cacos evil, it's poneros evil. Evil, infectious evil in active opposition to God's divine good. <laughs> Boy. So, wherefore, be you not unwise. Really, it's stop being unwise. Stop functioning without wisdom, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and stop being drunk with wine. Now, that means, you know, when you function in any area under the flesh, it's like you're acting like a drunken guy. You don't even know where you're going or how to do anything. But for some, this could be literal. Stop being drunk with wine. Where is his excess? But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Then you begin to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs that have to do with the Word of God, singing, which will bring you to singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. You won't have to listen to other worldly music, you have a melody through the scriptures, and you have proper worship. Then that'll lead you to giving thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name, which is the nature, functioning in proper image and identity, in the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. And doing that, you're submitting yourselves one to another in the reverence of God. Now watch this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands Look at what it says. Listen to this. As unto the Lord. All right, there's teaching. You do not as wives have to submit to your husband in the flesh. But it also means, and we'll bring it out, it doesn't mean you, you have to have anger or irritation. God will always give the wife 
a proper place because when the husband doesn't function in proper headship, 1 Corinthians 11.3, when he doesn't, God will bypass and allow the wife to function in headship in Christ until he gets that husband back into a place where he functions in his proper identity under his head Christ. Have you ever heard this before? So clearly, so precisely. We'll see that. Yeah, we have plenty of time. It's beautiful. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That speaks of headship. That's 1 Corinthians 11.3. For the husband is the head of the wife. Well, who's the head of the husband? Is there proper headship if, if the husband doesn't have Christ as his head? Is that order? No. Even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body, he protects it. Husband that has proper headship? <laughs> In any way, he would never keep her from hearing the word of God, by the way. I'm talking, we know we have schedules, and we all know that. And even if the wife can't make it, the husband can and there'll be times, listen, there will be times when the husband can't make it and the wife still can. And there'll be times when the wife can't make it, the husband still can. That's a fact, isn't it? We all know that, don't we? In, our, in simplicity of obedience and transparency in Christ. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the deliverer of the body. I mean, he just didn't just deliver us once, from, and he did, of course, from an eternity of hell. As, as many as might be opposed to that <laughs> and don't want it to exist. <laughs> There's a continual deliverance. Husband, as he's continually delivered from his flesh, will continually protect his wife to be delivered from hers. You see the order? Isn't that beautiful? Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. In God's order, Yep. Now, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. When did he stop giving himself for us? You tell me. When should the husband start giving to his wife? I'll tell you, when he stops receiving from his head who's giving constantly, then what does he have to give to his wife? His flesh. Period. Period. So husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Gave himself for her. Right? That he might sanctify and cleanse it. Proper headship. Proper headship. Husband, that he might sanctify. He's set apart from the flesh. He's set in Christ. Now he has that to set apart. And he's cleansed, right? Then he has that life to pass to his wife and they function in oneness of it. Isn't that beautiful? When should we not have that? I mean, when we get together, tell me when we shouldn't have true fellowship. I mean, even the source of our laughter, where does that come from? What do we think a good time is? Seriously. And it's not, listen, this is conviction. It's not something that's an accusation or something that's against us. It's not at all. It's beautiful. It's convicting. Whether we're in sin or not, <laughs> he's still loving us with conviction. 
And you wonder why, maybe you wonder why sometimes you have a problem in certain relationships. Well, maybe just the other person doesn't want to function in the flesh and wants to have fellowship. Could be the case. Now, do we need patience with each other? Yes. Do we, though? On the other side, if I desire fellowship and intimacy and I want just Christ and not just any kind of foolishness, do I still need to be patient Gracious and kind and loving. Absolutely. Do you see the two-sided edge? Do you see it? Because if you don't have patience and you're not functioning in love for that individual, then you become legalistic and want them to line up. Do you see the whole full-orbed truth of this? Listen, there's never any irritation in grace because that's where God's love flows through. And believe me, love is never suspicious. Should we be suspicious of one another? No. So on both sides, it protects. So the one that deeply desires fellowship and not the foolishness of the flesh, to act like grown-up adults and not like little kids, does that protect them if they don't want it? And does it, does it keep them in a place where they can pray and lovingly see them still in Christ but yet pray for them? Yes. Do you see that? You see it? And I want to see it with you. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the, the word. Huh. I don't know, who's that? Who is the word in John 1.1? 1, 1? John 1.14. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Huh. You want your wife to be glorious? Okay, well, love her. Lay your life down for her. Good. Make everything, love her. Lover. Well, yeah, well, I try to, but she doesn't receive it. Yeah, I know. And how many times did God stop loving us when we didn't receive it? Oh, boy. Yes, sir. Protect your own heart from being your own theologian and scholar. Did I, was that posted today or yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I can't remember because it's so much of the word. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, by the way that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. You see the headship and how it flows? Eh? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Do you notice the spots in others? Okay, maybe you don't like it. Maybe it isn't fellowship. But you're going to treat them in the spots and the wrinkles? Oh, and miss yourself. <laughs> you see the balance of this? You see the protection of it? You see the necessity of the word? and coming to here as much as we can. Look, at when, if God's in control of my day planner, if he's in control of my schedule, do you think that he will make the time to give us what we deeply need? Do you? What does it take then? Just our will submitted. Dan, as much as I can, I'm going to preach this tonight because God wants me to. In love, not against someone, not in irritation of the flesh, but in truth. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Is that who we are? Well, Song of Solomon 4, 7. You're all fair, my love. There's no spot in you. That's Song of Solomon 4, verse 7. Well, why does it say that the red heifer, that substitute, that sacrifice, that was a type of Christ in Numbers 19, 2, was to be without spot or without blemish? 
Because that's who we are in Christ, in a proper image. But that flows in proper headship. Oh boy, so awesome. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. And hopefully, husbands, we don't nourish and cherish ourselves outside of proper headship, which we can do any of us, any of us, when we function in the flesh. We make the nourishing and cherishing to be about ourselves and want the wife to line up. Fooey, don't do it. Don't live in disobedience. We're going to see it very quickly. So it men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife, what? Loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own body, but cherishes, nourishes and cherishes, even as the Lord the church, for we are members of his body, flesh, and bones. For this cause will a man leave. <laughs> leave his father and his mother, and so does the woman have to leave the father and the, <laughs> and the mother, too. And I suppose we all have functions in some of that stuff. Must leave father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they, too, will be one flesh. This is a great mystery. Marriage. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Marriage, what is it? Functioning properly is a, is a revelation and manifestation of Christ, who's the head of the body. Who's the head of the wife? Husband. Who's the head of the husband? 1 Corinthians 11, 3, Christ. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife will reverence her husband. You know why? Because she's, she is reverencing that life and love that has become one with the husband that came from Christ. Isn't that interesting? We're going to close it with this. I still have 13 minutes. And I don't know how you say that in Spanish, but I'm sure there are a couple of guys here that can tell me. Right here. So we started with not being beguiled, right? Proper headship. See? And I'm just, what I'm doing is giving the scriptures in counsel that God gave me in its order. And, I'm, I'm, and, and God said, okay, now you do that. Now I want that. I want to use you as a vessel to present that to the church. I said, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Now, this is Colossians 3, verse 16. And you please read that whole chapter. It's very necessary to get the full understanding of what we're saying. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What's it mean, dwell? God is making a home for us, for Christ to dwell so that we can be at home in him and dwell. What does a home speak of? Security, safety, protection. You're able to bear your heart in love with one another. Let the word of Christ dwell. It's oikiodomio, and you can look it up later. In you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another. And if you're not taught, do you think you can teach and admonish one another? I don't know. Did we skip local assembly? Okay. Let the word of, of Christ dwell in you. Or in other words, let the word that is Christ dwell in you richly and always in teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Boy, if, wouldn't that be something if we knew what true Christian worship was when we got together and there were songs. 
There were songs because it was all about grace. That's proper music for the believer, by the way. Nothing else is. And whatsoever you do in word, thought becomes word, and deed, action, do it all in the name, the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now listen to this one. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Here's the word fit. Boy, I tore this one apart. <laughs> fit. Fit is an echo. It's A-N-E-K-O. And it's from this little prefix called ana. A-N-A. This is what that means. It is a primary preposition. Look up preposition again. A primary preposition. In other words, here we're going to see what is proper. Proper. It means up. Ooh, up. Is that our position in Christ? Is Christ our head? Up. Up. But by extension, it's used with distributing or distributively several. In other words, and constantly in every area. Everything about us is to be up, not on this earth. Read Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Up. I've used to be up. Nothing on this earth and not the flesh. Up and away from the flesh. That's, again, Song of Solomon 4, verse 7. You all fear my love. There's no spot in you. And because of that, in your position, Song of Solomon 4, verse 8, look from the top. That's up. Remember the window that was on the ark? Their view was to be what? Up. Heavenly in type, if we understand the scriptures and we become students and learners of the scriptures together. So it means this, severally and or locally. Ooh, locally. And that word means at. Or in other words, by which every man is in. How many times have we said those words, bring them up again constantly, because we can blow them off, any of us can. The word in and of when we read the scriptures. Those two words are extremely important and valuable. In, or in other words, through. And by implication means repetition. Repetition, intensity, and reversal. Notice that? Fit in the Lord. Whatever, whatever positions you properly in your image up, that's when you submit to him. That's when, when he's taught locally, at, and by every man who functioned in headship of Christ, 1 Corinthians eleven three, and he's functioning in Christ, and now he's functioning through Christ to the wife. And by implication, he's repeating, he's repetition, constant love, constant headship, constant loving intensity, and a constant reversal. What are you doing? You're, rever you're keeping the flesh out of you as a husband, and then you keep the, the, that away from the wife. You protect her from the deceit in, in Revelations 12.9 and the accusations in Revelations 12.10 against her in proper headship. You don't know how important this is. You know how sacred and important marriage is? It's not your property. She's not yours, just a wing around everywhere. Hmm. To be present. Look, 
It's from the, the other part of the Greek word, Veneko, right? is from heko, H-E-K-O. Listen, it's a primary verb. What's a verb speak of? Action. A primary verb to arrive. Proper image, proper headship. To be present. To attain. Listen, it means to what? To come. Echo, to come. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. All you that labor and are heavy laden, come. How should we come as a church today? Come and hear the word. It takes precedence, listen, over everything. 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 It takes precedence over it. Come, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. What? And I'll give you rest. Is there any rest when we don't come? No. So we get occupied with a million other things. <laughs> and then expect wifey to come. <laughs> Should she? Does she have to? Does she? She does not. I'm going to show you how to do it properly. Come. Okay, so an echo means this, to attain. To be proper. Husbands, when Christ is your head, you'll treat yourself properly. And when he's your head, you'll treat yourself properly. And you can treat your wife properly. And if you don't have the skill and the, I'll say guts, to teach your wife, you better bring her where she can be. And by the way, bring yourself. And don't end up being a spiritual wimp. Woo. To be proper. That speaks of a proper image and proper worth. Because Christ, who's worthy? Revelations 5, 9, and 12. Who's worthy? Christ. And when I function under Christ, I function in his worth that he's made mine. Now, I, I give that to my wife. That worth means value. It's the Greek word timeade. T-I-M-E, long E. Value. High esteem. But if I don't esteem Christ as my head, do I esteem my wife? No, I esteem my flesh. And then I want my wife to submit. And she should not. <laughs> so again, quickly, it means to be convenient. Or in other words, to be consistent. To keep yourself, husbands, in a fit place and keep your wives in a fit place to be properly exercised by discipline, humility, dependence on Christ. I'm going to close with this. Then, when the husband does not function properly in a proper image through proper headship, where does that leave the wife? Is she without provision and without Christ functioning in her? No. Does she have to get irritated? No. Does she have to fight and rebel? Absolutely not. No, she does not. Because if she, she submits in God's order, and the husband's not, Christ will replace the wife and protect her and keep her close to him. And I would say this, honey, honey, if hubby, okay, in any way, doesn't come through the foolishness of the flesh to hear the word, honey, you don't have to stay. You can come. We will gladly help you get here. 
That's a promise. 1 Peter 3, verse 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, can husbands function in marriage Christians and not obey with the word? that if any obey not the word, that they also, without the word, may be won by the conversation, it says, lifestyle of the wives. You know what that means? That's talking about, like, like okay, so two, two unsaved people get married. Then they got born again. One got born again, the wife, but the husband didn't. She still has a covering, Christ. She still has provision, Christ. And she can teach him by her life, not what she says, not what she demands, she can teach him by her life, the head flowing in her, to teach him. And so can Christian women when hubby's not functioning like that, without irritation. Now, sometimes you may think, wow, he's, he's getting irritated. Yeah, you may see that. that and that, I'm going to tell you, that's Ephesians 4.26. Be ye angry and sin not. Be angry without sinning. That means the flesh. Because if you do, You'll give place to the devil in Ephesians 4.27. Don't replace Christ in headship. Don't do it. They may be won by the lifestyle of the wives. Now, honey, you know, honey, I don't feel like going. Yeah, honey, neither do I. Huh? You know, or a wife says, no, you know, I'm going to go. Well, I'd rather have you here. Honey, I love you. I love you, honey, but we can go. And I love you, and I'm going to go. Because Christ is acting as my head now. I don't have to live in rebellion. I can live in submission. Loving submission. Listen, while they behold, you're chaste. What's that mean? Pure. Unadulterated. Lifestyle coupled with your reverence for Christ. Because he's your head when he's not functioning that way. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing gold or putting on apparel. Now, you know, there were some that would teach, you know, you're not supposed to do that. I don't agree with that. It's not biblical. <laughs> okay. Yeah? Do whatever you can. You, you know, yeah? You want to make yourself beautiful for your hubby in reason, in contentment? Go for it. But that's not it. But... It's not excluding that, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of my mind. Who's the hidden man functioning in headship when the husband doesn't? Who's that? That's Christ. That's Christ in the vessel. In that which is not, what? Corruptible. This is another thing. You know, when we get together from now on, okay, I don't want any foul language anymore. Okay? And if we do hear it, let's lovingly exhort privately but if it's public, we can do that publicly, too. I don't want to hear any more foul language anymore. When we get together, let's hold each other accountable, men. No more fooling around. Okay? We help each other with that? Good. Because we'll function as heads, and then we'll protect our wives in that way when others are around so that they don't get familiar with our wives. Well, let me tell you, you, you know, don't get familiar with me, but the last thing you want to do is get familiar with my wife and think in any way, when she's older than you, you're on an equal plane with her and you could treat her as your buddy. You don't talk about be angry and sin, not. God forbid you give place to the devil. Okay? 
but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible. Read Ephesians 4, 29 and 30 with that word corruptible in 1 Peter 3, verse 4. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price, great value. Honey, he's not treating you that way. You have Christ to submit to. You can still function in value and great price because that's what Christ thinks of you. And when a husband misses that, Christ won't. No wonder Paul even wrote it for those that were teachers and leaders, pastors. In 2 Timothy 2.13, even if we abide not faithful, he abides faithful. He'll never deny himself. He will not, he will not deny the love of his son and what he's accomplished. He'll never do it. Okay? For after this manner in old times, the holy women also who trusted in God. Did you hear that? It's trusting in God, not your flesh and reaction against him when he's not functioning in proper headship. Okay? Which is in the sight of great price. So, Father, thank you. We praise you. We love you. We'll, and, and by your grace, we will continue this tonight. And my advice would be to every single person that they do not miss it in any way. Father, thank you and praise you for your love and for your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen.